post-Father's Day Aurora farmer's tan. Check that oh, out. Oh, yeah, bud. I got the I got the knee line where my shorts were when I was oh, sitting yeah. down. Oh yeah, that the um I got that uh no regrets. F- five inch uh five inch inseam inner yeah. thigh burn. Welcome to the 55.1 Podcast. My name is Wes Berdine. I am joined by Corey Shreppel, Mark Fangmeyer. Rodrigo Sanchez Cheveria is uh, is taking the night off. He's, um, I think, just in a puddle of his own sweat, just laying and staring at the ceiling. So um, it's, a, it's our Father's Day gift to him. Yeah, yeah. So he can't. He also couldn't deal with the um, the farmer's tan guns going on right now on this podcast. <laughs> It's it's white and red all over in this. <laughs> oh, oh, it's just it's like a it's like a it's like a semaphore. Like you just wave my <laughs> arms around and I've got two flags just just going out there. Ooh, it's sexy, sexy, pure sex appeal here. And Corey's wearing his uh his Star Wars shirt, like a my absolute... uh, my summertime lightweight. I uh, I have the top two buttons unbuttoned, so you can see. <laughs> The uh, barely just see on my camera the 13 chest hair that I have that I named after the Spice Girls in Power Rangers. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. This, all right, everyone. This is going to be the worst podcast you've ever heard. Here we go. Um, let's, we've got a, a little bit of the Minnesota United uh, versus New England Revolution game, um, but I'm going to be honest. I'll tell you now. Uh, the Aurora game on Sunday uh, at 1 p.m., was 10,000 degrees by the time we packed up all the merch and I was driving the, the merch truck. I was like, should I, should I go over to Blackheart and watch this game? Cause there's a bunch of people watching it. Or should I go home, take a nap and then have uh Liddy was making for father's day. She was making crab cakes and Cajun shrimp. And I was like, I already got three points today. Why would I? Why would I ruin that by, <laughs> by, by going? Even though the bar has that great new HVAC system that we we just put in. So um, I've watched the highlights. You know, that's all all you really know, need to know. Mark, you watch the game. We'll we'll talk about Minnesota United. We've got some weird ass Twitter questions that we'll take. But first, let's start with the uh, the little round the world of news. We'll start with that good news. Minnesota Aurora. Get their fifth consecutive win. They're un- six game undefeated overall. They're top of the heartland, still five points ahead of Green Bay. They um, they played two games this weekend, one in Chicago, in Chicago City, which is a, a separate place from Chicago, I believe. <coughs> um, they won that one three to one, which uh, I think makes in in the week. They the the total aggregate was, I believe, ten to two against Chicago City which is um, pretty good for being up against a, a place that doesn't exist. Um, in that one, there was the, that was the first time that Aurora have been behind all season because uh, the Chicago scored early in that match. Um, they play on this really short pitch. It was a, a, a thousand yard or hundred yards, not a thousand yards, hundred yards. So it was really short, really narrow. And I think that's why head coach Nicole Lukic, um, played with this like 4-4-2 lineup uh, to try to basically just bypass the midfield, which was not working. And then they switched it up. And um, uh, 
we Mariah Wynn won a penalty won a penalty that uh, Kenzie Langdock put away, and then Yelena Zibiliac scores, and uh, yeah, they won one three to one. And then uh, and then on Sunday, you guys uh, you guys survived that one. Oh yeah, uh-huh. I, uh, I I did not. I, we did not get there early enough to be a member of the Bucket Hat Brigade. Um, but it looks like that's going to be a collector's item. I'm glad that uh, our our missing comrade Rodrigo got his. Um, I forgot to get my kids one because I didn't want one. Because I I'm, I'm going to be honest, it's, I don't understand the appeal of bucket hats. Neither do no, I. Neither. I debated it because I am a merch fiend. Yeah, and then are? I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh we got to get there early because I want to. I want that Pepsi. Pepsi, yeah. And then I was like, no, I'm I'm not. I'm never going to wear it. Literally, never going to wear it. Um, yeah, I we hydrated. Uh, we opted for electrolytes over beer for that match. Um, and yeah, we put on SPF, uh, a thick coating of SPF 50 before we left. And uh, only totally one coating. Worked. I put on two coatings that day. I, and I, I burn terribly. I like, I get like s- s- nerve damage when I have too bad of bur- burn. Mm-hmm. So um, thankfully I survived this one without, without full death. Um, and it thankfully was... we won oh, two, two nothing. Yeah. So th- this one, this one was against Call Valley, who we had um, gotten our first win up against. Um, the goals came when uh, the center back Kelsey Kafusi, um, who I adore, I think is awesome, um, came really deep into the midfield, and I got like real Boxall vibes or Calvo vibes, right? Like it's the sliding doors. What is this going to be? And I got kind of nervous because I was like, oh, she's still she's still dogging this midfielder who's or attacker who's dropped deep. And I was worried she'd get caught out. But then she stole the ball, released it to Maya Hansen, who just like like she did the week uh, week before, just like ran a circle around everyone. Scores from distance off a, a pretty nice uh, deflection. And then cat rap fever, um, the uh, the third of the raps. Uh, we did have full rap in this game, which is, I think, the only mm-hmm. second, only the second time it's happened all season. Cat rap got the ball and decided to run a circle again around every defender until they got dizzy, and then like it was kind of like a Power Rangers episode, right? Where they just like 100%. do that, and then all of a sudden the 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 like big monsters like and hold she, their heads and, up, and you and it totally looked like she was gonna go to the right to the I guess that would be the I'm trying to remember which side I was watching it from. Doesn't matter, but. But she, the way that she cut it back and sent the keeper the wrong way, she just destroyed everyone. Yep, and it's pretty beautiful. So that means uh, there's two final home games this season, this Friday and then Sunday, um, which is quite a lot. So um, <clears throat> this Friday, uh, it's against, I believe, the Dutch Lions. I actually now yeah. realize I, I didn't even check my own schedule, mostly because I just like try to survive to whatever I can. Um, yeah, so this Friday, it's up against the Chicago Dutch Lions, who have only played three games all season so far. I don't know how this works, but I just do what I'm told. And then um, Sunday, the last home game of the year is up against St. Louis Lions, so it's a double Lion we- weekend. Um, Dutch Lions, but then I don't know the ethnicity of the, um, the St. Louis Lions. Um, but I mean, who settled in St. Louis? Like what? Like know. what group? Like France, right? Yeah. So I mean, French maybe? lions. French lions. Yeah, we'll say yeah. Les Lions. Right. 
Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't it be the Germans though? I mean, because that isn't like Budweiser and like that whole Anheuser. I mean, the Germans are like literally everywhere. They just showed up everywhere. Like the 19th century was like, hey, we're here to party. Yeah. We brought beer. Yeah. So we'll just say it's the French Lions on Sunday. They have not won a game yet. They're um, seven games played, seven losses. So um, it would be a very big bummer to um, to be their first win. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, and so we're on track. And so it's looking pretty good. I don't know if we want to say anything else about Aurora, but I'm feeling pretty happy and excited about winning games. There, it's it's a blast. I look forward to every single one that we go to, um, especially as someone who wasn't around during Minnesota United Nessie times. Um, this is kind of fun to be kind of at this level of a team and the community vibe. It's, it's, it's a blast. There's so many people that are not soccer people that are coming out to this and becoming soccer people. Um, it's, it's just a joy. Um, and I just can't wait until we mathematically qualify to, uh, win the division. The only bummer for me is that there aren't any more. We're running out low on matches to look forward to. Yeah, because I mean, it's such a short season. I wish it would go longer. Like I wish it would just go all summer. Yeah, I don't. I think I think uh, I need another uh, year to recover from this month so far already. Um, just between trying to get all the extra merch out, like we had uh, Pride um, tank tops that were designed by um, one of the players, Lydia Rupert, designed those. Um, and then we have Pride Scarves coming on Friday. So adding all that stuff into the existing, uh, just trying to get as much merch as we can. It's been, it's been quite exhausting. Um, I'll, I'll say the other just related thing on USLW, I was listening to Grant Wall's podcast today. He interviewed um, Lindsey Behrens, who is the president of Oakland Roots. And then they are um, launching a USLW team named the Oakland soul. And I think this Thursday is when they are um, launching their logo. They're going to reveal their logo. Um, the Oakland roots logo is one of the best in the league. Oakland roots is one is legit. Probably one of the three only interesting soccer teams uh, I, or teams I find interesting in this country. And it's a really good interview. Um, I, I learned a lot about how you talk about some of these issues and how you, yeah, I really look forward to meeting those Oakland people sometimes. Cause I, I feel like, uh, we, I would love to learn a lot from, from them about how to set up a club just like that. So I'm really excited also that next year they're going to be rivals and they gave us a um, grant and, uh, and Lindsay also gave Aurora a little shout out, which, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, that's all the USLW stuff. Uh, I am also planning, at my away travel for that uh, last green two Green Bay games of the season, going to go out to to beautiful old Green Bay for a, a July, first week of July. Door, <coughs> Door County, right? Door County, yeah. I've never been out there. I've been to um, uh, Green Bay only once because uh, my band played a couple shows, and, I, and it was like Milwaukee. But on the way to Milwaukee, we went up and played a show in Green Bay. And it was at um, a venue that um, you'll be very surprised to hear it's no longer in existence when I tell you the name, House of Valdar. That was oh. the name of the venue. And it was, was in like a, a strip was, mall. Was it, 
Was it a Tolkien themed? Uh, uh, no, bar? Uh, but it was very much like in the Game of Thrones era, and it was like, is this like a Game of Thrones thing? Are we, um, we had a very good time. The people who were there were nice. Um, it's right next to a check cashing place in a strip mall. It was it was a weird, very weird thing. So, <clears throat> looking forward to checking out the old haunts around uh, where House of Valdar used to live or be. Um, let's hit the other news here, which is. MLS signing this big blockbuster deal with Apple TV for their rights. Um, Corey, I've been talking a lot because I was talking about Aurora. Can you take me through the top lines of, uh, of what's going on with this? Yeah, this is this is the first of its kind. It's kind of like the deal that we've all been kind of waiting for in sports, where it's not just you know a, a, a digital package for your own team or a team run stream or anything like that. This is a massive, massive deal. Um, it's a 10 year deal between Apple, um, and MLS begins in 2023. It's every MLS and leagues cup match. Um, includes select MLS next pro and MLS next matches. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see who is actually going to be streaming those, um, moving forward. But I would imagine that MLS will still be handling most of that. Um, no need. It's like, Every game, no regional blackouts. Um, every every team available, every match available. Um, it's going to be through the Apple TV app or through Apple TV if you have it. Um, but you don't need an Apple TV plus. It, it's plus not. It's not in the this Apple TV plus like the way that you correct. would watch. Um, this is a like uh, yeah. like Ted Lasso. Yeah. Um, and the so you don't need an Apple TV plus subscription. Um, it, there will be some sort of subscription cost. We don't know what that's going to be yet, but the biggest thing that I think is great for all of us is if you're a season ticket holder of any team, you get access to the streaming service uh, as part of your season ticket package. The, uh, there are a few teams out there that I'm sure are loving that. Um, yeah. You know, teams that that struggle to get those season ticket holders because um, that's, a, that's a great deal. I imagine, I wonder if season ticket... Prices are going to go up just about everywhere, but well, that's that's what I said. To, I think it was Tom Bogert on um, on Twitter. He 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 mentioned, and I wrote back. Well, I mean, then and my response was, well, now it's going to be leveraged to raise season ticket prices. And he was like, well, you know, you can be cynical and negative if that's your first thing. I was like, no, no, no. I'm really really excited about this, but it's still a business. This is going to be leveraged for them to raise season ticket prices. The thing that's going to be interesting for me is for a lot of these teams that are kind of phoning in their local regional broadcasts that they no longer have to care or they no longer have to front the costs or have mm -hmm. a subpar deal with um, some regional broadcaster. MLS is going to be producing all of this. So a couple of things about that um, is that Apple is not producing it per se, but as part of the deal, MLS will be producing it. So they're going to be hiring up. There's going to be a lot of, I would imagine some infrastructure upgrades at some of the, the stadiums, a lot more consistency in the broadcasts. So with that, MLS is uh, supposedly hiring 10 to 14 broadcaster teams. And it's probably going to be called from a central location, which a lot of the, especially during COVID, a lot of the, uh, you know, international competitions were were structured that way. A lot of the women's World Cup and um, secondary men's World Cup games were were conducted that way. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how that progresses and 
those teams that have invested in high quality local broadcast teams is MLS going to be looking at those people. So I'm thinking about Cal and, and Kendra. Are they, they're one, two of some of the better, you know, broadcaster duos in the, mm-hmm. in the league. Are they actually going to be contracted through MLS to be part of the larger group? It remains to be seen. Um, and uh, yeah, the other big thing, and if you have any questions or any other comments, but the other big thing that I'm also loving is consistent match schedules. Every match is 7 p.m. Saturday, 7 p.m. Wednesday, with exceptions for any of the national um, traditional broadcaster agreements through like ESPN slash ABC, uh, Fox Sports, and uh, Univision. Yeah. Yeah. Also, with some of the infrastructure updates, like how awesome would it be if they actually implemented like goal line technology for all venues now and having that camera in there and whatnot. So like you actually have, you don't have to have a national broadcast to have the target goal line, whatever camera that you can only get on the national, on the ESPN's national broadcast. Like you actually have it for all of them. That's still about stadium infrastructure though. I mean, but the MLS could, could, Make that and take use some of this well, billion dollars. because well, it's a. I, I don't know if you said that. It's two point five. Two point five billion. So over ten years, two hundred fifty million dollars a year. With um, there's a couple other incentives in there, um, and I don't have those numbers offhand. But basically, it's it's a win-win generally because in the players' CBA that they signed in 2020. Um, maybe, or no, it was March of 20, whatever. The last CBA that they signed, players get a bigger cut of broadcast rights, which this is going to be huge. There's the the only the only downside to this, as far as I can see, is one, if MLS falls short in, in actually producing these games and they're underestimating what it actually takes to be a broadcaster, I don't think Apple will let that happen because Apple's doing that with Major League Baseball. Um, and you are going to lose a percentage of viewers who are, at least in the, the Minnesota market, casual Twins fans, uh, you know, Wolves fans who are watching on Bally Sports who just happen to be turning on a Loons game. You're going to lose that exposure. But looking at the demographics for this for this sport in this country, this is a, a no-brainer. I think... You know, you talked about a lot of the the positives here, um, and I think that considering that viewership has been so low, and a lot of the projections of what would happen was um, was kind of like they're not going to get more money. They're this is not going to be a good TV deal. Um, that this deal seems pretty good for MLS in terms of getting a lot of money because this is a lot of money. Yeah. Um, I think obviously the season ticket holder thing is is great. No local blackouts is great. Um, a unified schedule is really great. Um, higher quality with fewer homers um, calling games uh, would, would be very nice. Um, and and so th- those are all positives. You also mentioned that this is not great for kind of um, some you know borderline fans or, or things like that or bringing in new fans it's hard for some to to go to in into a uh, buffalo wild wings and be like hey can you put the loons game on right because that's like yeah it's it's a, a pain in the butt and and it requires technology it requires like so there, there's things like that that are 
are going to be um, problems with it. Overall, I think it's it's maybe there there are the negatives of also having um, these distance um, call uh, commentator groups where you know you don't get a sense of the game of how it's going. I think there's so much you can tell about. Um, the rhythm of a game when you can actually watch all the players there. I'm, I'm not sure mm-hmm. how you can really do a good job of describing the the run of play um, if you're just in a in a booth in Miami. But yeah. you know, these- well, yeah, there's there's. I mean, I'm I'm fascinated by this deal. Um, I think to the point about. Yeah, you're not going to be able to go into your to your local B dubs and ask them to turn on a loons game. But I think access to soccer in this country has really ex- exploded because of streaming. So I think that the places that are doing it regularly have some experience with that. You know, the Blackheart obviously, but any other place, um, you know, at least in the Twin Cities, Brits, any other, like they're comfortable with it because that's the only way that they could get these games. Um, but yeah, the casual stuff is a thing. I do wonder if there's going to be less familiarity with the rosters from a centralized broadcast crew. But again, consistency. These are all pros and they're going to call the games and make them really, really compelling and they're going to do all their homework. The thing that I'm also very uh, excited about is every team will be able to produce their own pre- and post-game content that will... Uh, prepend and and be on the backside of each of these national and I'm using air quotes here broadcasts so does that mean that the team has control over the narratives going in and out of these broadcasts um what kind of documentary mini documentary series are, there, are we going to be able to produce is that are all of the teams going to get a big chunk of cash to staff up to help produce this stuff or is this actually going to be league sanctioned production so yeah. i think it's just it's just going to raise the bar of the production and make it so much more consistent and i think it's the right move all right well let's um let's move to this the final good of of the week which is matt turner um new new england revolution goalkeeper who did not play this week against us because arsenal wanted to keep him minty fresh um he refused to sign a fan jersey in the final match because uh they were wearing a spurs jersey um so um, the bad this week is that uh, Calvo beat Michael Boxall, who was on the bench uh, for New Zealand as Costa Rica advanced to the World Cup. The good is that Calvo beat Boxall, <laughs> so we get to see him go up against Germany, France, and, and Japan. I, I just I have so many fantasies about this. This is I'm writing some fan fiction. Just just tip 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 tapping on my typewriter. All about this. Yeah. Oh, Calvo's Qatari chaos. Oh, oh my God. Just, it's crazy. All right. The bad Matt Turner refuses to sign a fan jersey in a final match because it's a Spurs jersey. Um, the weird is that uh, Megan Rapino got her first career red card in four years or 14 years of playing as a pro, which is pretty amazing. Um, and she got it uh, as a second yellow for descent from the bench after she got subbed. Um, she, this was her first start of the season too. She's not played that much this year. Um, it was against, uh, Angel City, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Amazing. It was great. She's just, she's just and a I legend. Lo- I love that. I love that the, the bit in the article that I was reading about it was that, um, 
uh, her teammates were cheering her on yeah. after she got her red card. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone loves Megan Rapino, man. Yeah. Uh, the other weird is that Matt Turner refused to sign a fan jersey in the final match because it's Spurs jersey. Um, all right, let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll do all the the joy of uh, of Loon's fandom after this. Back on the fifty five one podcast, let's talk about Minnesota United news. There is none. Um, <laughs> so that was nope. the that's been your podcast for the for the evening. Um, the we got some watches. Mark, do you want to update on the the watches? Oh, uh, it's, yeah, it's summer See, that, transfer season. It is. Um, as of right now, we are in striker watch mode. Apparently, uh, in the broadcast on um, Sunday, uh, Cal Williams said that uh, the Loons are looking for a, another striker. So great, you know, because it's not that we, you know, haven't learned our lesson quite yet that. Um, Strikers don't work in our system, but I mean, who's to say the next one won't? Besides everybody, um, it's basically uh, Adrian Heath. Just picture this on a whiteboard. Just says, "You miss hundred percent of the shots your strikers don't take." Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott, Adrian Heath. He's just going with the uh, <laughs> going with the. You gotta you gotta try to sign all the strikers, and by the end, if you if you don't, you'll just you'll keep on missing. Um, yeah, so there's also that. The other watch is um, Heath Extension Watch. Uh, because uh, Brian Korstad put this out on Twitter, I'll, I'll, I will just say something about it. Cor- Brian Korstad um, mentioned that there's been a, a rumor going around that Adrian Heath has been signed to an extension. I had heard that from two separate people um, who who are from different segments of the world. Um like a month ago. And so now, now that it's been so long now, I'm, I'm kind of like a little bit more dubious of it. Um, but I know that now, since then, since I originally heard it, many other people have then said, Oh, have you heard this rumor? So I, I don't know, but it is very funny that there's a rumor out there. And I don't, I think since it was, since whoever brought it to my attention, it was like a Wednesday night game. Um, I don't think they've won a game since then or something like that. Maybe they won once. It was just like, oh, well, we're waiting for the best time to announce it. And then it's just like we keep on going on this <laughs> epic slide. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. At this point, it's just like you. Matt I'm, Doyle I'm, puts out that tweet, which is like, who, who's who got the biggest hot seat? And like 90% of the responses are Heath people. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you what's going to happen if – they were to can him this season before it ends. It's going to be after the all-star game when we lose to the Liga MX all-stars and they're going to blame Adrian. Heath for the brutal loss because none of the strikers will finish. I was, I said it when we, when when we, when we were talking about the all-star game, when tickets went on sale, that's my fanfic. It, like that's going to be like the upside down Stranger Things version of when Doctor Bill actually fires Heath because we lose the All Star game because Don Garber makes him. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so the biggest biggest intrigue going into this game against New England Revolution was uh, was Bruce Arena saying like, "Oh, it'll be great to see Adrian again." You know, last time I saw him, he, um, Gio Severese and me, put down six six bottles of wine. 
absolute legend. Just, just great. Just the three of them. Can you imagine? Like, just, just with, like the the amount of negativity in that room of like the those three drunk dudes. I I want to know if Gio had his like, like full beard the last time he did it, because this was what this was preseason, right? At the at the Orlando competition. Is that when you think it is? Okay. I was I think thinking, what, I think or it could have been MLS's back. Yeah. Yeah, was yeah, Bruce yeah. Arena around yet for that one? Bruce Arena is uh, always around, man. I, I He's know, always around. Like, also, man, watching that game uh, yesterday, he gave, Bruce Arena was sending off some serious like Danny DeVito from "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" vibes. Oh, like just on the sidelines, I was like, oh man, you gotta you gotta pay the troll toll. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh <laughs> You gotta imagine like who is the odd man out in that trio. I don't know if there is one. I think it's like a triumvirate where they are like structurally sound, just leaning against each other. Like, yeah, it's they you know? and they just they they resonate. They they create this magical triangle that they just levitate. <laughs> just negative. I, I'm actually love, imagining love, love. more Ghostbusters too, <laughs> with the bottles of wine. They're just they're just just so much bitching about everything and and referees and and like oh just not getting just just oh, keeps no. on going and it's bubbling up. And it just like starts popping, and then think, like the toaster think, shoots up some toast. Yeah. Do you think Gio Severese uh, gets them like matching ascots for when they hang out and they drink their wine? I don't think you can get Bruce Arena to do to do anything, man. Uh, I, I think, maybe the wine bros can. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. I would only if they all agreed on a uniform that they wear together. Oh my gosh, what would that uniform be? Would it be like be like Bruce's ratty T-shirts, tracksuit? <laughs> it's basically like it's like a but it's, it's early it's, it's, season it's, early season one or two of the sopranos but it, yeah it's a velour tracksuit that just has an mls logo not a team logo just an mls logo on it or just the, each they um uh geo got them ones with, with their embroidered initials just like just perfect just amazing like, all right it's like it's like hogwarts houses oh man who's the fourth we need to add to that who would just be the? Who would just like set it over the edge? The Vigo of uh, of this Ghostbusters too. Oh, no, what, no, no. what if it's Lucha and he's and he's just there for vibes? No, man. Don't to do this just... to Lucha dudes. Don't don't do this, guys. <laughs> keep keep it cool. Peter Vermees is is probably, but I don't know if Peter Ver, Peter Vermees is like a Amstel light guy. He's not. Or he's coming in there. And he's like, listen, I don't drink wine. I need you to make me a Vesper right now. And he's just. <clears throat> Yeah, we'll got, have to think about taste. this, and I'll take any any nominations from you guys. I can only we'll think about, about next week. think about three managers right now, so that's about <laughs> it. Um, so let's talk about this. Minnesota um, go up in the first half due to a, a penalty. It was kind of a just a terrible mistake by Farrell, just going down, and it's easy call to make. Reynoso just sees this guy slide in front of him. He's like, "Okay, man, all right, I guess I will just fall." Um, and then, uh, you know, Reynoso puts it away. Um, in the second half, it was a, a totally different team. Mark, take us through this because you watched more of it. or Yeah, well, I, I mean, the first more, half. But actual watched it. So The first half, we were looking like it finally, I should say, the, the offense looked like it was the finally the offense that was promised, except for the finishing, of course, because we still can't finish. But we had some great opportunities. We looked really good. And then the second half rolls around, and honestly, Adrian Heath just got out coached. Like uh, Bruce Arena came out, 
changed up the tactics, basically shut down the the center of the midfield, and just shut down our offense. And they're just we just looked terrible after that. Like had zero, zero opportunities. The ones that we did have were like some counterattacks that didn't amount to absolutely that amounted to absolutely nothing. And um, yeah, and then of course, like in typical Adrian Heath fashion, like after they got the first goal, they were pressing a lot and really looking like they were going to get a second goal. And of course, Adrian Heath doesn't make any adjustments until after the second goal and they already take the lead. Like when your opportunity to actually make in-game adjustments were there, you didn't do anything. And he just and he still like finished the game with only uh three using three subs. For some reason, out of the like what, like eight or nine, however many people were on the bench, like five of them were goalkeepers and defenders. Like they had two goalkeepers on the bench, but they didn't bring uh, you know, they didn't bring Jackson along for the match. They had no like offensive sparks it was just it was a typical frustrating loons match where like they come out in good shape in the first half they played pretty well they don't put away any of the opportunities and then they just completely like fall apart in the second half because they get figured out and uh the other team adjusts and we don't dane st Clair um had i i don't know if you'd call it a shocker on that first one but Certainly got got his hand on the ball and it had some weird movement, went kind of underneath him. Definitely cannot be making those mistakes if you want to be a World Cup goalkeeper. Um, th- that was on the equalizing goal. He got his hands to the, the Gustavo Bu um, free kick, but I think when, when we were all re-watching it, I kind of blamed him for it and you guys talked me down. The, the fact that he got his hand to it was kind of remarkable and it was so far away you wouldn't expect anyone to be able to save it so he does it's not it's not the yips you know he's had an absolutely stellar season he's i still think goalkeeper of the year contender right now um he's keeping us in matches that we should not be in um so you know again give me more data points and we'll say that he's reverting to the mean but he's still a standout keeper but mark you you nailed it with with the with the exact uh, description with Heath continues to get out coached he is not a proactive manager he is a reactive manager and to it's to the detriment of this team I will say um Bruce McGuire on Twitter was like you know one positive from this is that it doesn't look like the players ever gave up um, and I would agree with that in terms of their effort pushing for more goals. But if you're set up in a system where you can't counter what the other the adjustments the other team has made, you are being set up to, I don't want to say fail, but make it a lot harder on yourself to succeed. You know, whether it's throwing out two strikers, changing format, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. This is, the, this is the story with this coach, with this manager, is that he reacts to what other managers are doing and is not proactive to try to go after stuff. Well, he knows. He knows that, like, the, the jig is up. Like, it's been this way for 18 months. Mm-hmm. Reynoso is where everything flows for this team. And if they shut down Reynoso, they shut down the middle of the park – they've won the game or at least they're the other team is controlling the match and Heath, w- whether or not he has the personnel for it i think we do he's not 
changing his tactics to to get around that. Yeah, I, I think one interesting thing uh, engagement that happened on Twitter was um, again Brian Korstad um, criticizing Michael Boxall, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, but then Tony Sane jumping in to say like, "Look, this isn't Boxall's fault. The defense is all can only deal with what's in front of it. And if you don't have, if you have a team that is set up to possess, possess and create and move the ball around, but they can't do anything in the final third, they can't move forward, um, then." you're only going to you're not relieving the pressure off your defenders and the other team just sits back waits waits and then counters and um and i think that there's like a certain there's like basically one to three um game plans ways that that these games go and then and you can you can say like oh well okay well we scored first so now we know that this is going to happen and then the team is going to come onto us make some changes and come after us then Heath is going to go into a shell he's going to sub like this this and this and then they're going to win or we know that they score first and so we're going to push 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 and in the last five minutes we're going to finally get off three shots and it's going to be oh so close etc like there's just like these narratives that it, it's just like a a telenovela like these there's only three plot lines here guys and uh and we're just we're just going cycling through them no and the frustrating part too is that there were there were was a stretch of matches where heath was being proactive about subs like that remember when he with our whole thing about like do you bring on Bongi and Dunlady in the 60th minute or whatever or start them like going back to that whole conversation there was a time where he was bringing them on in like the 60th minute and making those changes proactively and then pushing for a win yeah and we're back to like i mean you're not you're on the road up one nothing against a team who hasn't lost in the last seven matches you're not going to be able to hold on to a one goal lead for an entire half like yeah. you're not going to be able to bunker into that you're not going to be able to do it and to have that be the strategy you come out of the locker room with, it just, it sucked. Minnesota had a 1.62 expected goals in this, and uh, New England Revolution had a 0.52. So um, things went well, let me say that that's your, that That's your narrative right there, which is, again, we're not finishing. Why aren't we finishing? And... I got your narrative right here there, I got Corey. your narrative right here. Um, you know, we put people in positions where they can be dangerous. That is absolutely true. Why aren't we finishing? And is it the communication? Is it the interplay? What is it? I don't know what the answer is, but that's up to all the danger of a Teletubbies episode. Um, <laughs> so the this this week, then they are at Inter Miami. On June 25th, uh, which is Saturday, I think. Um, it's Pride Weekend. Sure. Uh, all I know is it's it's yeah. Pride Weekend. So, um, Miami are um, have been doing remarkably well ever since they um, they benched Iguain. Um So they, now they have 18 points. Uh, we have 18 points, and uh, so we're basically the, the same team, except one of us is trending upward. Um, let's take a break and we'll come back and we got some uh, we get some uh, que questions we'll take. All right, my friends, let's take these questions. Christian Fitchett says with 15 matches played, 19 matches remaining, 
18 points for Minnesota United FC. Seven matches played, five matches remaining, and 19 points for Minnesota Aurora FC. <laughs> Who finishes 2022 with more total points from their respective seasons? That's I'm not going to go total points, but I'll go points per game, and that's going to be Aurora hands down. Oh, I'm going to go total points. I, I mean, I, I don't see things getting better for Minnesota United, so why not? <laughs> so... In, if if Minnesota win, if Aurora wins all five games left, that puts them at thirty four points. Do you think Minnesota United beats thirty four points this year? No, I mean that's about right where they would be to like be on the outside looking in on the playoffs, and that seems just about right. I would say I would I would probably take the over on that, where they would they'd probably. I'd say we'd okay. be a little bit closer to 40. Also, but. Oh, also uh, if Aurora make the playoffs, do we get to count those wins as points too? Because oh. hmm. um, then it's definitely going over. Yeah. Okay. Well, who knows? Um, those, those playoffs would happen in July. I think July 13th, 20th, and 20th, 19th, and 23rd, something like that. So. Are Hopefully. there Minnesota United home matches that week? Because there, I'm just there would be a, a an overlap on the the semifinal, and and likely I think that we will get to host all those. Because um, if I mean I just remember back in uh, 2011 uh, in the championship run for the Stars, and all of the local sports teams like bought blocks of tickets to sell out those the finals. How awesome would it be to like maybe you know move the match to Allianz Field and see if we can get those teams to also do that again. And <laughs> I don't think that's happening. There's buddy. no way that's going to happen there, bud. Uh, yeah, no, not at all. Not are going to play in Blaine that weekend. Um, Henry Hugolt Luna says, um, if you could have Minnesota United play in any league disregarding logistics, roster stuff, which would it be? Um, answer can combine culture, aesthetics, just wanting to see the world burn. Um I mean, I watch, we talk about the Bundesliga a lot in here. I watch a lot of German soccer. Um, I enjoy it a, a lot. Um, I, I mean, seeing them in the, Henrik is, is Danish. He's been on the show before. Seeing them in the Danish league would be, would be pretty cool. I think that they could get third in the Danish league. Um, but then again, there's a, there's a certain um, batshit craziness about the French league. That, that would be a blast. You never, you never know like what they would actually be able to pull off. Oh no! Here, here's mine. I would love to see Reynoso play in um, Major Arena Soccer League, just okay. to see what he does. <laughs> yeah, being able to bank it off the sideboards and everything, it'd be fantastic. Oh my god, knuckle puck. Toby S says, if Minnesota United were to try and establish a more visible brand by making one color their home jersey, and always keeping that jersey sell- relatively similar over time, like most. European clubs do. What does the shirt kit look like? This is a great question because early on, especially when the team um, went to MLS, I remember talking to then president um, and asking him, like, "Well, what's our what's our primary color? Like, you know, Liverpool or the Reds, mm-hmm. Chelsea or the Blues? You're like, what is this team?" And um, they this the the president then said, like, "Well." What, is, what does it matter? And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're a Liverpool <laughs> fan. They're, they're like, of course it matters. You need a, 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 a noticeable brand identity that is something that people, you want to see the stands where most people are wearing that color. You, uh, um, 
Minnesota's color then, basically when they went to MLS, MLS was like, your color is gray. You guys should own the gray thing because no one else is that. Um, gray is obviously not the sexiest of the colors, um, but at least it is their own thing. And they've recently like you know, tried to do a little bit more of the, the, the light blue, the gray. I think that that gives... Uh, that's getting pretty distinctive, but I don't know if they've ever grown into that and, and figured it out. Even like figuring out the, the black and blue jersey this year, right? That was yeah. like, I made jokes about that because the supporters would sing about Minnesota black and blue. And it's like, we we had maybe an eight month period where we ever wore black and blue on jerseys. <laughs> that was it, right? Like that was, that's not our colors. Um, but although I would love to see uh, have the color be black, but then have it be a like matted, like a matte black, and then have the wing on there in the exact same color black, but in a glossy finish instead. So it only kind of showed up when the light hits it. It'd be fantastic. I I like I do like the black, but I would love if and like I think this, I think these two kits that we have right now are probably the most identifiable in terms of on field branding from the team especially like with the black with the light blue i think the light blue looks amazing i want more of like that red loon's eye accent across everything i think mm. that could be the signature thing where it's like if you have a black kit with you know blue piping or whatever but you've got that pop of red in in a couple of places like whether it's like red and blue pinstripes and then on the blue kit you have red and black pinstripes like that would look or like you know wherever it is that's i think those three colors the red the, the black and blue with red accents would be absolutely stellar um and then you just invert for home and away only pun ceo says positive of loons losing no post-game heath lecture um question the apple deal has me thinking about mls in the next decade what would you like to see mls do better to connect with fans broadcasts youth development clubs working in local communities Etc. Um, that's a, I, I'm not sure if I have like a a good question about MLS, but I I guess overall I, I look at the thing that brought MLS out of the doldrums was Portland and Seattle, and for a while there they believed they had the recipe, which was we need more Portland and Seattle's. We need clubs that can absolutely own their markets, which they have done with like Austin, right? That's been really successful. Mm -hmm. um, I think they got it right with Atlanta of, of doing this kind of hybrid thing. But, um, but I don't, I think that they now got high on their own supply and believe that these NFL partnerships can, because they want to be the NFL, right? They see soccer as the future biggest sport in the country. We want to make it massive. And um, to me, uh, that's it. To me, I look at what USL is doing and I see it's way more dynamic, way more interesting. Um, I would much rather go visit another team's USL team, another city's USL team, than I would an MLS team. There are very few MLS teams that, that kind of really seem dynamic to me. You know, Oakland roots are way more interesting. I don't, I don't count any, um, any MLS team in my top five most interesting clubs in, in the U.S., I mean, with the the MLS Next Pro, I think is the most intriguing 
part of the the I don't want to say downward development, but just the downward expansion in terms of creating feeder systems. Um, I look at like what the St. Paul Saints are doing for the Twins now. Um, can you create the vibes underneath that first team product um, that helps build up the community that's more accessible in terms of pricing and scheduling and any number of things? Like I, I love watching those Minnesota United, those MNUFC two matches because it's like, oh when Fred Emmings got his start in the friendly, you know, more people know who he is when AZ Jackson were following his development way more than we would have if he was a bench warmer or out on loan somewhere. Um, so I think there's something there, but how can it be marketed and use, use that as a, as a much more, um, as an entry point with a lower barrier to entry for a lot of people. I agree with you, but I'd also love to see like one thing that makes the saints twins. thing like basically the twins are piggybacking on the independence of the saints. Like the saints did their thing. They created the brand. They created like a fun atmosphere where people go to take part in, you know, in between in- innings to play, like watch the pig and do other races and stuff and also watch baseball. Yeah. And I wish they would have been, there was more independence to MLS next, like put the team in, you know, Duluth or Rochester, have it be like a community type thing where like that's still our team, but have it be a little more random. But like right now it's just like, well, it's, it's fun to watch, but it only, it's only fun to watch to people for people who are MLS fans. Like I don't see it breaking through and having like a community kind of embrace an MLS next team who aren't already MLS fans. And that's kind of wish I they would have gone like way more like actual like minor league feel to it and had that independence of the teams a little bit more maybe and I know they don't want to brand and all that because they want whatever but like having even having that that like in like you know independent branding and stuff would have been fantastic to like create that kind of feel to it and until they do that it just feels like MLS Next is just going to be something mm. that only MLS dorks like us enjoy and pay attention to yeah Paul Shudwar says. Do you think that they will make a movie or show about early Qui-Gon Jinn? If not, what character... Uh, Wait, can you finish that question? What was that, Wes? Sorry, sorry, excuse me. If not, what character from the prequels would you want a show about? Oh, my God. Oh, God. Um, I'll go first. I've been thinking about this. I mean, the obvious one would be, I mean, Mace Windu would be awesome. Yeah. Because uh, with the age kind of fixing stuff, you could really bring back a badass Samuel L. Jackson to do it. Um, was it Plo Koon would be cool? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Poku? Yeah. Quadru Poku. Do a, a prequel uh, about him. Barris Afi would be cool, but I have a feeling she's coming back with the, in the uh, um, Ahsoka story, probably. See, most of, most of, if you would have asked me a year ago, two years ago, it would have been everything around the Rebels characters and Ahsoka Tano. That's exactly yeah, what it would have been. That's true. Um, going backwards, uh, I'd love to see some of the early, uh, early days of the Sith, like young, young Emperor Palpatine. Yeah. Also, uh, Ventress, just a standalone Ventress show would be mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know that, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn is coming back for a new Disney animated show. Um, I forget what it was, Mark. I sent you the, somebody leaked the trailer for it. 
Right. This is so boring, guys. It's like a legend. Oh my god. Oh, was it was it the for the legends one? Like not the legends, but the um yeah, it's it's a thing. Your trailer's coming out soon. I cannot believe we did this. You're you're leaving it in. Don't you dare fucking edit this out. Yeah. Connor says which wine and dessert. People ask the question. The force will not be with you if you edit this out. (laughs) Which wine and dessert pairing will be served at Heath's farewell party? Dream on, Connor. And Nick Schaub says, what's your favorite way to enjoy Malort? So Malort, I think, just started getting distributed in uh, in the, in Minnesota. So uh, Palmer's and Meteor Bar had uh, like Malort parties. I'm very, very insulted that no one approached me about this. I mean, um, the, the best way to enjoy Malort is to take the glass that someone gave to you, dump it on the head of the person that gave it to you, and then flick them off for giving it to you. That's that's the way I enjoy it every weekend. Kathy Saxon says, "What does the playoff picture and venues look like for Minnesota Aurora? Possible dates for games?" I actually accidentally said, or not accidentally, I already said that as I believe that it's the thirteenth, nineteenth, and twentieth, roughly. So basically, teams around the league all put in bids and, and kind of show that they can host. Cause it, uh, we've already seen that there's quite a disparity in like the types of teams that are out there. There's the Indy 11s and us and Detroit city and a few others that have really great facilities. Then there's lots of clubs that are playing at kind of, um, you know, uh, s- smaller places that can't, can't would not quite look as awesome basically. Um, and they also don't want to lose the money, right? Because a team like Aurora or Detroit City, et cetera, can actually make it financially viable and not uh, either make it break even, make money on it, or at least not lose a ton of money. Um, so the venues, so there's a good chance that we would host um, some playoff games and, and maybe even the final if we're in it. Um, but, you know, maybe we'll get pulled against Detroit City and then we'll end up traveling to Detroit City, which would be a blast. Um, yeah. Jack Rigby Larson says, uh, what's the most underappreciated cheese? Oh, um, have you guys ever had humble, have you guys ever had humble fog? It's like the best cheese in the world. What type of cheese is it? Um, it's a goat cheese, but then it is, uh, aged with a layer of ash in it. It, but it is like honestly, like it's like it's the most amazing cheese in the in the world. You have Ash? to try it. Like from what? Yeah, from like is it like uh, old guys like, just like, like smoking no, it's like, their cigars it's, uh, and blowing? From sort of vegetation, so it's like a plant based thing that like they use on. In, yeah, I want to try like, this. It's delightful. It's one of the best things ever. And like so, like basically, you have like a layer of like creamy goat cheese, and you have ash, and you have like a crumbly goat cheese that goes with it, and like it's all in one. It's it's amazing. Uh, I mean, I'm a big. All sorts of blue cheese type uh, person. If it if it's stinky, um, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but goat cheese, I also am a big fan of. I'm a big fan of goat's milk. Like goat's milk mm-hmm. hot chocolate has a mm-hmm. weird ass like drinking uh, chocolatey um, feet. It's very weird. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've been wearing sandals all week. You can oh, just come over. Just dip them in a fondue. And <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, you're the you're the subscriber to that OnlyFans. Yep. T- <laughs> yep uh, yeah. I don't know. I think that subtle cheeses are underrated. Um, I don't even know. What's this? Just okay. move on. All right. Ra- move on. Last question. Rob at Rob Robble Rouser says: Soft serve, standard, or gelato? Um, 
I'm going to just say this as, as the, there's, we now have a, a majority of Pennsylvanians on this. And so we know that the answer here is read is Italian ice with the like gelato in it with the ice. Like it, it is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to die for. Hard agree. Yeah. Hard agree. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. I, I mean, uh, if well, like yeah. if someone wants to just copy Rita's and do that in Minnesota and call it like Ole's or something like, I don't know, whatever you do. Um, <laughs> but the answer to that question though is gelato because gelato, everybody yeah, agrees gelato is better. Amazing. Yeah. But like someone do Rita's and it, like you can sell lots of money. I don't like, mm-hmm. sometimes you see something and you're like, why has not anyone not done this here? So yep. I don't need another project, but like someone do this and like put it in my neighborhood. Cause there, there was a, there was a Rita's uh, like, two miles from where I grew up. So we had it regularly. And yeah, man. There is a Rita's, I think, in like Egan or something like that. I th- I'm pretty sure there is like a hold on, Rita's Italian Ice, Minnesota. Apple Valley? Apple, same thing. Egan. Yeah, no, there's one the in, e- in, in Egan. Oh, my God. Man, get them to Aurora game. It's so hot yesterday. But like, how far is it from? I don't know. It's on Diffley Road. Where's Diffley Road? It's down there. It okay. is, so it's a, bit it is a 30 down. minute bike ride. It is a yeah, 11 minute drive. It's, it's in a different uh, part of Egan. Oh, it's, it's right by the, the Cub. It's South Egan. Oh. Which we all know about South Egan. Um, anyway, go have some Rita's or se- seriously, someone invent like the, the, like a Minnesota Rita's. If you put that in like Longfellow, you will just like have the the yuppies like licking out just of your hands. Charge sixteen dollars yeah. for it and serve it in nuts. in people's hands, right? Not yeah. in a cup, but just like directly. In the hands. Yeah, yeah. Actually, what you have to do is when you serve it in the hands, you actually hold it above uh, the rest of the people in your party, and they you let it drip through your hands because mm. you are filtering it with your essence. Yep. Uh, before it goes into their mouths, you're kind of like baby birding, baby Re- bird feeding. Really it. soft serve. All right, uh, that's the podcast. Um, this was dumb. I'm really, really disappointed in all of you for listening to this. There's, there's no what happens. I mean, they no stuck around for so long to get our like our cheese and our ice cream recommendations. So I mean, kudos to them for everyone stick, sticking around to like the very end when you got the good part of the podcast. Congratulations to all the lactose tolerant out there who Barada, listen. Barada, that's my cheese recommendation. There we go. All right, perfect. All right, you're beautiful. You're sexy, and everyone loves you. <laughs>